Welcome back to the DC3 cast. We are your rebirth pals. We are your best friends. We are reading all the books, so you don't have to, but hopefully you're reading along with us anyway. I am Brian. With me, as always, are my friends Zach and Vince, and we're going to talk about six comics this week, five of which are officially rebirth comics, and one where we're going to start, which is kind of an unofficial rebirth comic. Um, we're going to start with Justice League number 51. This issue. Do we even know what the history of this is? Wasn't this originally number 52? And then it was switched and the creative well, team yeah. changed. Right? Yeah, so first it was a Green Lantern issue. And then, so first this issue was number 52 and it was a Green Lantern issue. Mm-hmm. But then it became a Teen Titans issue. And then it became issue 51. Yeah. So, yeah. It's uh, it's weird. Um, but it was written by Dan Abnett. It was illustrated by Paul Pelletier, and um, I kind of liked it. It was not bad. Yeah, I think you know what you know what it was. It was an issue of a DC comic that is something that you very rarely get these days, but they used to do all the time. Um, and that's like a one-off story within whatever you know book, like. I guess Scott Snyder, it's it's kind of like the Scott Snyder issues that would go in between his arcs, mm-hmm. you know, because he'd do these like big six to nine issue long arcs, and then he'd have an issue in between where it would be just like a one off story. And I feel like DC used to do more of that, and now they're very much more in this like five to six issue arc cycle. Um, so it was refreshing in that way, you know, and it was. It was a Justice League story that also included Dick, and um, and it was pre- it was a pretty fun and like positive little story too, you know. Yeah, there were like some cool Dick and um, Cyborg moments, you know. Dick and kind Vic. of harken- Dick and Vic. Dick and Vic. Dick Vic moments, kind <laughs> of you know, harkening back to old Teen Titans. Abnett sent um, us a Dick Vic. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. that was the sound of Zach unplugging his microphone and walking away <laughs> no it, it was and you know aside from that it also had like a little brainiac moment there yeah and it just it just felt to me like it was very much a this was one of the new 52 stories that felt the most like a pre-flashpoint story for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of like you said, this is like a a not rebirth story that really is because it's, you know, kind of leading into Titans, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like bridging that gap, which I'm really, you know, so we didn't get much of that. And, you know, that used to be something you, you know, you would get that. Anytime there was a big new initiative, there would be that bridge or whatever. Um, and I guess like DC Universe Rebirth number one was that. But you know, this is one. This is an issue wherein the you know it's a flashback. Everybody's in their New Fifty Two costumes, um, and it's you know squarely in that era, that style. But it feels like you said, kind of more like pre Flashpoint. Rebirth-esque. 
just the fact that like three different kind of unrelated events are happening at once, I sort of like that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, not unrelated, but just, you know, like there used to be a lot of stories, I feel like, with DC where like, you know, Superman be fighting Lex Luthor and then someone else would show up and Batman would show up to have to fight the, you know what I mean? Just it was, there was much more of us like, there were, I feel like there was less of an excuse for things to happen back then. Things just happened. Didn't all have to mean something. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like, it, like the writing was slight. I don't mean that. I just mean that they didn't like bend over backwards to connect everything. Sometimes fun stories just happened. Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt with this issue. So who do you think the the mystery villain is? Do you think it's someone we've seen before? I don't know. I mean, I think it's probably Mr. Twister, right? You think so? Because I I thought it made it sound like it was... Maybe some I, okay. So I didn't read Titans on, so I feel like I'm maybe not the best person to weigh in on that. But I thought it made it sound like it was whoever was going to be like the first big bad in Titans. Well, so Titans Hunt kind of wraps at the point where Mister Twister has been defeated for the second time, but that for for whatever reason to defeat Mister Twister, the Titans had to. F- had to forget themselves. It's a weird. It's it, it. It was a weird kind of hackneyed explanation. Vince, maybe you can explain it better than I could. Uh, no. <laughs> um, but like, it seemed to me like maybe this was this was hinting to that. Is that what you got out of this, or no? I I don't know. I am only basing on I think on the last page. There's like a to be continued in Titans in Rebirth. Titan, yeah, which Titan it doesn't Rebirth. really. Right, right. So I just took that to mean maybe like this was a character we were going to see like during the first arc of the run or something. Um, and considering Titans, it seems like it's going to be about figuring out where the time went or, or who was behind that. I, I guess I kind of took it as, well, this could either be the Watchmen thing or you know, some other catalyst for that story, mm-hmm. you know, it's just set, just set far in advance. Yeah. That the, the dialogue, the lettering was very distinctive. I did that, um, allude to like Mr. Twister or anything. Is I that like the, don't the lettering style? Okay. Vince, do you remember? No, I guess I'm a bad, uh, ally of letterers because I didn't pay attention to that and i apologize i actually meant to look it up before we started to record but oops we're great we're great professionals here guys we're in case case you can't tell um i would i would bet that it's probably mr twister but i i'm not fully convinced of that i'm also thinking that there's a lot of dan abnett seems to be one of those writers who's going to be tasked with kind of connecting the dots in some ways with these books mm-hmm. and i feel like maybe maybe this is the beginning of mr oz from superman crossing over into more books oh boy. yeah i don't know mr. speaking of uh mr pandora mr pandora oh. speaking of abnet kind of connecting the dots i noticed he gave uh kind of like a 
highlight to to Aquaman a few times in this yep. issue. Mm-hmm. Did you guys cash it the Identity Crisis joke? I did. <laughs> I I thought there were a couple, so I wasn't sure which one you meant. Or I I got the the mind wipe one. Yeah, exactly. They um... yeah the mind wipe. Man, well, don't go there unless you want to end up with a, mind, a memory blank, a lingering sense of unspecified shame in your costume, thinking of cigarette smoke. Yep, yep. And then there was a, on, I think on the like on one of the very first pages, uh, Wonder Woman says something like, "This is this is no crisis for a teen or, or for a kid or something." Yeah. Robin can, can I, handle himself in a crisis. Yeah, and then what? It what did she say? Oh, sorry. Um. He's a child. The league is no place for a child. Neither is this crisis. Right, and so like I took that as like an inside joke, also to identity crisis. Like <laughs> this story is not for children. <laughs> um, everybody loves Brad Meltzer. Yeah, yeah. Um, any other thoughts about this book? I mean, Pelletier is a good artist. I uh, yeah, I honestly thought like this is probably some of my favorite work from him. I guess like this is some of the best I've seen him. There were parts of it that seemed, I don't want to say rushed, but maybe less worked over than some of his other work. And that, that could also be a result of, um, I don't know if Sandra Hope is his typical inker or not. I'm not sure either. Well, I I guess my last like touchstone for him was he did some issues on Justice League United. Yeah. That I wasn't as fond of. Okay. He and did. I thought this looked better than that. He did either. He did either a, a couple issues of Future's End or Batman and Robin Eternal too. He did yes, some he did. Batman. That's right. He did do some there. Yeah, because I, I, I honestly, I, I think I like this better than that as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I like. I like whenever he shows up, though. He's like, you know, he used to be the like main Aquaman artist for a yes. while, mm-hmm. and then he now he's like kind of in limbo where he just shows up and does an issue of something here he's and the, there. He's the fill-in to the stars. Yeah, and he's a hell of a fill-in. Like yeah, if, he I'm, is. if yeah. I'm getting fill-in art from him, I don't even think of it as a fill-in, really. Yeah, I right. agree with it. Does he have a regular gig coming up that we know of? Or uh, I don't think so. I think he's doing Justice League with Jonathan Hickman. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Justice League of America. Uh, yeah, just the League of America. Yeah, way to way to step on his joke, Brian. Man, killed God, it. I, I I refuse to let him uh, incorrectly identify any of our <laughs> jokes from prior episodes. Okay, <laughs> if we're going to be self-referential, we're going to be thorough about well, it. Well, it's really tough. I did like think about it before I started because I associate Justice League of America with Brian Hitch. Yeah. It's DC's fault for changing things up on me. How long before we're going to need a continuity rebirth for the DC three? <laughs> <laughs> so we get all of our jokes straight. Uh, um, that reminds me, just talking about fill-ins or like things, news or things changing or this. Maybe this is a bad segue. <laughs> Before we move on, how about the uh, Batman Night of the Monster Men stuff that got announced? Wait, I don't know if I know what this is. Oh, oh no. What's this? There is a six-issue crossover happening in the pages of Batman, Detective, and Nightwing, written by Steve Orlando. With, Wait, when did this get announced? With, <laughs> with Riley Rosmo doing the art. When did this get announced? On Friday. And there is a... It, it, it's Batman fighting, like, kaiju-style monsters. No! 
Yeah, it's this both. A, no, you're making this it, up. It, I talked about this. No, it's not. It, it's Bruce, Dick, and um, and Batwoman fighting monsters. What? It's the first crossover of the uh, Rebirth era. So wait, okay. It's six parts, right, or three parts? Yeah, it's like six parts. It's it's Batman, Night, Batman Detective, and Nightwing for two months. Are gonna... what, what issues? And they're what not the... double shipping those months, right? Because if they were double shipping, it would just be one month. Well, that's so Batman right. number seven, Nightwing number five, Detective nine forty one. That's incredible! Oh my goodness! Yeah. How did I miss this? I don't even know. Check your Y draft, boy. <laughs> read the site. <laughs> it, it was it was never on the site, but yeah, read the oh, site. Oh, not even in a run. Oh, because it was Friday. It'll be, it'll be tomorrow morning. Don't worry, I'm on it. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Goodness, I'm so excited for this. This is fantastic. On yeah. one hand, I don't love a crossover right away. Uh, oh, I don't, I love a good. I'm all about good. a crossover. Yeah, I don't know what everyone's. Uh, people are nuts if they don't. Here's the thing: if it's good, who cares? You know, <laughs> like no, really. I mean, like, like. You... So here's yeah. Here's my thing about crossovers: if it's good, that's great. If it's bad. That's just a book I don't have to buy that month. That's fair. Save some money. Yeah, I mean, I I understand, like, people bring up, you know, The Culling back in the New 52. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that was awful, but Teen Titans was also awful, and Superboy was awful, and it was written by Scott Lobdell and, like, Tom DeFalco. So what did you expect? You know, this is is Steve Orlando. Like, that's, you know... I don't feel like it's equitable when you've got your worst creative talent on one book and like one of your best writers when you're talking about this one, you know, like anything Steve Orlando does. I don't care what name is on the cover or what title it is. Do you know what this reminds me of? What is it? I'm like looking at the I'm looking at the art right now and like Yannick Paquette is doing covers. Yep. It makes me think of Rot World. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Which was a story I was really excited for, but ended up not liking. So, but maybe this will be <laughs> this will be Rot World done right. Yeah. See, my my concern with the crossover thing is just that I feel like if the point of Rebirth is to get new readers, which is the point of all of these things, yeah. and somebody isn't reading another book, it seems like it might be an easy jumping off point. Sure. Um, but for me, it's great. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe it. We'll get to this eventually, but maybe this will make them stick around on Batman. <laughs> we'll get to that eventually. Yeah, but let's <laughs> well, let's get over to Titans Rebirth number one right now. Well Titans, done. Titans Rebirth, written by Dan Abnett. You'll notice a theme here, illustrated by Brett Booth, and uh, this deals with Wally West helping the Teen Titans remember who he is. And that's it. Um, that's yeah. The um, look, nobody <laughs> was clamoring for this team to have a book more than me. But this book's twenty pages of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this is the rebirthiest of all the rebirth issues so far. In that, yeah, it's it's fluff. Like it's just it's there to. I, 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 I will give it this. Plot-wise, it does 
nothing. Like, all it does is tell you through some dumb narrative. Oh, like, he has to touch and, like, electrocute somebody to get them to remember him or something. Right. Which, why didn't that work in the DC Universe Rebirth? Number one? I, uh, yeah, because he wasn't pulled back into reality yet, he was still on the Speed Force. Oh, ooh, sorry. <laughs> I, 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 no banging your head in the display case, Brian. Yeah. It's a very rare Mary word. There's uh, a picture of Sean Connery signed by Roger Moore. <laughs> uh, um, no, okay, fine. So, But anyway, like it basically uses plot goo to explain why... Um, <laughs> why uh you know wally is gonna be remembered by everybody now and we're gonna hopefully be able to move forward and tell stories with this team again and that's fine but it doesn't accomplish much more than that i will give it this though there are a couple of nice character moments in it i'll agree with that there's you know there's uh there's wally and and uh dick stealing the batmobile for, mm-hmm. for the ride um there's a, a moment between him and Lilith, um, which is fine. You know, I like the the picture that they're all taking together, and then Wally like speeds into the picture real quick. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's cute. It's cute stuff. You know, it's. It it, it, it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. You know, part of it is hurt by Brett Booth's art. But, yeah. But you know, I have to say this is not I've seen him do worse than this. Yeah. And I think that I never thought I'd say this, but if he can give this team a bit of a unique look, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually kind of I don't think excited is the right word maybe, but interested. Like I think he does have I think Abnet has like a good handle on like the voice of this team mm-hmm. um and if i think i might have said this like previously but like if he can get that team dynamic down then i think this could be a really good book you know in spite of or regardless of the art direction um it can kind of be like what justice league hasn't been since the start of the new 52 you know mm-hmm. um so can I can I can I point out we were talking about Brett Booth. Mm-hmm. Can I point out like okay the page where they steal the Batmobile? Uh huh. Like that is perfectly good Booth. Like I could read a book that looks like that, you know. Yeah. Then flip ahead one, two, three pages. You got a picture of Garth standing on the left side. Uh huh. Look at his arm going into his hand. Does like, he, is, is his wrist really swollen? Like, does he have, or does he have flippers because he's, uh, because he's Aqualad or what? Like, <laughs> you know, like it, like that's, <laughs> I, I hate to drag Brett Booth every time. Cause every time somebody talks about a Booth book, the comment is almost always made. Oh, but it's Brett Booth, you know? Yeah. And I sometimes feel bad because a lot of this is like perfectly fine. But then I stumble upon a page where I look at that and I'm like, "What is like, what is going on with Garth right there?" And yeah. I think that's what people mean when they, you know, like or the piece, the slice of pizza that he's eating that is pure rubber. <laughs> I, 
I mean, oh, that's like just the that's like the ninetieth animation thing. Like, yeah. I actually really like, kind of enjoyed that. Okay. Don- Donatello is cool, but no, no, hold on. <laughs> Raphael is cool. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But wait a minute, Brian. Not all of us are from New York. Not all of us have the good pizza. Yeah, your pizza doesn't stretch like that when you eat it. <laughs> pizza in Minneapolis all stretches like that. I'm not going to sit here and let my Italian-American heritage be slandered by a couple of Midwestern rubes. Or when Dick is sticking his tongue out and, like, his tongue is coming out from, like, a perfectly closed, entirely closed mouth, you know? Yeah. The issue's fine. It's fine, yeah. Let's, um, let's pull out our Pulp Pirate or Pulp. Um, For me, because of the team I'm going to pull this, the, the, the character team. Because of the creators, I'm leaning more towards pirate, but I, I I will give this a shot for a few months. Yeah, same. I'm gonna pull it. I I'm gonna I'm gonna say pirate just because like we just dragged the issue for five minutes, you know. So I can't. I feel like I can't say pull. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it because a we we know it's gonna be important to the greater DCU. B I I really do think there are some nice there's some nice character stuff that Abnett did here. And if he can keep doing that, then, you know, I'm to, I'm totally all about that. Um, but really, if you're talking about the quality of this issue and like probably the average quality you can expect from this comic, I I'd say it's along the pirating lines. I agree. All right. Next up is Superman. Number one written by Peter Tomasi illustrated by, sorry, written by Peter Tomasi and Patrick Leeson. Uh, illustrated by Patrick Leeson. Um, we, just to peel back the curtain a little bit here, we read this issue a long time ago because we were interviewing Tomasi and Gleason, and uh, so we got a good a good look at this, and we all really enjoyed it initially. Um, I still really enjoy it. What do you guys think? I think it was probably my favorite of the number ones this week. Yeah, I fully agree. I think it's the best issue that came out. I think it might be the best issue that's come out as part of Rebirth at all. That if yes, if I were, yeah, if, I yeah. can I can agree with that. Yep, like it's it's solid. When um, I when I read that first description of Superman as Clark gets to be the new Pa Kent, I yeah. was totally on board with this book. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Kent has been such a great character so far. And the moment where he scorches the uh, was it man, a, that's it's a it's it a bird, like a right? hawk and his cat. Yeah, that's heavy. It's that's his, his Damien moment from like Damien had that moment too in in Tomasi's run. Yeah. Um, and just you know, to me, like an animal is just such a precious thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's yeah, it's just so heartbreaking. And you well, especially as a kid, you know, like yeah, like you just think, and a kid oh, who just yeah. moved, so like his whole life's been uprooted, but this this pet is still a reminder of what his life, you know, was. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. Yeah, this, uh, this is some of Tomasi's best work, I think. And Gleason. And Gleason, yes. yeah, both of them are just like, like this feels like a a centerpiece for the for the dcu you know yes mm-hmm. and that yeah. cover 
that cover oh, or look at i mean like look at the first sequence when uh clark is at the graveyard yep and then that goes into that big image of the s you know the double page spread of him like ripping open his shirt yeah yep and then fly and then you've got like the montage of him flying and there's all the stuff from the past you know there's like him beating up a robot and yeah the, and, and then like just every page is like and then there's the like jonathan giving the thumbs up and like you don't need you don't need to know anything about jonathan or like the story that came before to look at that image of him with the toys in the window looking at his dad giving a thumbs up and just the way that like gleason draws it it you you immediately like feel some sort of attachment or something to this kid you know absolutely you see superman the way that he sees him yeah and then then there's the scorching of the animal and then there's the best part in the issue i thought was when jonathan peeks out the window at night when superman is there with wonder woman and batman yep and they they all look up at him in the window and batman especially has these like beady little white like the white of his the whites of his eyes you know Mm -hmm. Looking, and it's like, it's this incredible like thematic thing where both the writer and the artist are dealing with a kid who has these superpowers, whose dad is Superman, and yet he feels normal, and he's looking at them as if they're gods, and he's just a normal kid. And the way that Gleason draws them is like, like. They're like otherworldly alien, you know, mm-hmm. even when like Superman goes out to see them, he's just, he looks like bigger or hulkier than he usually does. I think. And like when he busts in the door at the end and he's yep. standing there for like, there's so much being done with the art beyond just the storytelling Yep. that it's time to stop talking about how underrated Gleason is and just talk about how he's one of the best artists in superhero comics yeah yeah this feels like you know it's like yeah it's you know the dc universe through the eyes of a of a child and it feels like you know almost kind of like an elseworlds thing you know how it's so rare that we see this kind of you know like superman has a son and but it's not you know it's this is like main dcu and i don't know it just feels really fresh and special and you know we've talked a lot about like number ratings in terms of the rebirth and i'd say this is the first issue that you know kind of like pretty easily works its way into like eights territory you know yeah this is a great comic this is this is a hardcore pull for me yeah Yeah. same yeah okay (laughs) a hardcore hardcore pull man yeah just imagine it um <laughs> next up we have Green Lanterns number one, written by Sam Humphreys, illustrated by Robson Roca. This is um we all really, really liked the rebirth issue for this book. How did we feel about the uh the first issue proper? It it was fine. It was it was good. Yeah, I it was about the same. Um I thought the um I thought the art was pretty good. It, it I kind of got a bit of like a Ivan Reyes Rice vibe mm-hmm. a, a little bit, um, which is always you know that's like the to me that's like the definitive Green Lantern look. Um, 
And, you know, I thought Humphreys had a good, fairly good handle on, like, the characters' voices. There were a few things, there were a few times that I thought it was maybe a little, um, you know, a little hokey, maybe. Mostly with Simon. I feel like Jessica is a much better, like, developed character. Yeah. Like, her, her like, motivations and, and everything you know her dealing with like her anxiety i think is like really good I, I you know i that seems like such a logical like good idea to do with a, a green lantern story have somebody who is like constantly dealing with anxiety and like yes that fear that's such a good idea um and i i really like that and i'm eager to see that move forward simon is kind of he's more of like a He's kind of just like floating right now. Well, I, I I know Vince. I either put this on Twitter or texted me this that like we need to drop the not evil white FBI guy. <laughs> like he is such a stereotype in this comic. Oh, and his name is Agent Fed. How? <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh, that feels like a placeholder name that never. Uh... It does. You know. The thing is, is that, like, I think it's very important that superhero comics do reflect the social environment that we're in, okay? Like, comics are not below discussing this kind of stuff, you know? Of course. But when they do it in such a ham-fisted way that, like, the the rest of Humphrey's writing is not like this, you know? Right. But I feel like this has been a problem with Simon Baz from the start. It's it's understandable to portray him as somebody that deals with a lot of uh, racism and things like that, you know? A lot of xenophobia. Yeah, xenophobia. Yeah. Like, I, mm-hmm. like, that's totally... I'm not saying don't depict that because that's something that's very real and it's very important, especially right now. I mean, never more than right now, you know? But... I feel like the way it's being portrayed ever since he's shown up is like all they do is hammer on that. We we don't know who he is as a person except that right. he's the accidental terrorist. Right. And beyond that, you've got this white like FBI or whatever agent that is like having dinner with them and it's like I I'm not a bad guy. I'm, you know, like I'm just doing my job, blah blah blah. And like to, to frame it that way, I, I'm much more interested in, in, in who Simon Baz is, including the the xenophobia he experiences, but then also as a greater person beyond that. Yes. And keep this, like, external, again, white force out of it, you know? I don't think we even need it. And to me, yeah. it just comes across as hokey every time I see it. Yeah. Yeah. But apart from that, I really like the comic. Like, I think... I think it's in good hands. I just ho- I wish we I hope we get away from that. Yeah. I'm not a right. huge Robson Roca fan. I think he's okay. I just think his stuff looks a little bit um like to me he is very much part of like the last 5 years of DC kind of house style. He's not bad. He just doesn't blow me away. Mhm. And uh I I I I like it a lot, but I think he, he's got some tendencies that you can easily point to. Um, specifically, like, 
he's always drawing <laughs> he's always drawing like the clothes like even regular civilian clothes mm-hmm. like get really tight okay. like up against the body you know you'll notice that yeah and then something he does all the time that just bothers me is he'll do these floating heads like on the very last page you've got Simon and Jessica's heads like being, you know, it's like a vision of the future of the Red Dawn, you know? Yeah. And it's got their like grimacing faces. And he he always does this. He draws the heads and then like no necks. So there's just like floating <laughs> heads, you know? Yeah. And it always looks funny to me. And it's, like, it's a Bagley thing too. I feel like that, Bagley yeah. does that a lot. Yeah. It's yeah. a very comic booky thing, but he does it all the time. But other than that, like I think it's perfectly like a perfectly competent storytelling. And I think at times it looks really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you guys think of the uh, Emerald site? I was going to ask you about that. It's kind of like finally, like giving that, that Jeff Johns plot device or hype device, you know, where he would show what was going to happen in like the next, however many issues, uh-huh. a name. <laughs> like it's finally, yeah. Now it ha- now it's a, it has a name. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I I think that's a good. I like that. I like when comics do that. I think it also differentiates Baz from the rest of the Green Lanterns. Gives him something different. Mm-hmm. And I'm cool. But with that. he already he kind of already had that though, in that he like didn't at the end of his like first story arc he brought um, his brother in law out of the coma just like through force of will and like that was something. Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. So I'm kind of saying, like, you know, he did that, which they haven't really talked about that. So, you know, that's fine. But now they're doing this, and he's kind of becoming just, like, the special guy, Uh you know? Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This is a solid pirate for me. I'm going to stick with Paul. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's like, it's not like Superman, like it's not on Superman's level, Mm -hmm. but it's still a pull for me because this was a perfectly fine issue. Um, aside from my quibbles with Simon. And then the one thing, the other one thing I wanted to talk about before we, before Zach tells us what he thinks is I couldn't care less about Atrocitus right now. I I hate the Red Lanterns in general. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I like, oh, Atrocitus is choking. What's her name? Yeah, because he's so mad all the time, and I just, it's like, okay, let's, you know, let's tone it down a little. Yeah. Zach? Um, yeah, I want, I really want to like this, because, like, I like Simon as a character, and I really like what they're doing with Jessica. Um, but, yeah, the Red Lanterns really aren't, uh, yeah, I'm kind of tired of them, too. So I think that moves it into a pirate for me. Um, but it could really easily turn around. Um, I feel like this is one that's kind of like straddling the line for me. Yeah. I also think that my feelings about this will be somewhat determined by how Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Same. Uh, if, if I'm really out on that book, I need a Lantern book in my life. So this will become that one. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. All right, that brings us to Green Arrow number one, written by Ben Percy, illustrated by Otto Schmidt. Um, this one I liked considerably better than the Rebirth issue, but I still thought was a pretty flawed comic. 
any yeah, disagreements there? No, I'm with you on that. I I liked it a lot better than the rebirth issue. Um, but yeah, it's still you know it still has a few issues, but um, I'd say of the four number ones this week, this was my second favorite. My only disagreement with you guys is that I I feel like it's just an extension of the rebirth issue. Like I didn't I didn't like it more or less. Okay. I I just I feel like it's cre- like creatively that rebirth issue was clearly a good idea of what to expect because I think Otto Schmidt's art is fantastic still. Oh, so good. And I think Ben Percy's got the he's got the characters and he's got the plot on the right the path. broad strokes are there yeah but then god his dialogue is just so goofy i i feel like my reviews for this comic just need to be like bits of hokey dialogue i've pulled out and <laughs> want to talk about let's let's kind of skip... sorry go ahead oh. oh no i was gonna say i there wasn't anything in this issue that i thought was like super egregious like in the first one. Oh, there, there's the one hang on where is let it me, let me find <laughs> Uh oh god. There's there's that line um with Emmy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh <laughs> This is great. Um Here we go. Uh how'd you do, Emmy? I was raised by a supervillain and my mom is a ninja. How do you think I did? Doesn't your big brother get any credit for you being such a badass? That privilege know-it-all? I think he'd prefer it if I hung up my bow and worship my textbooks all day. Maybe he just likes the idea of you living long enough to realize your potential as a crazy old cat lady. Like, <laughs> I was. There's a bit of uh, Ollie and Dinah when they're on the motorcycle, uh-huh. where she says, she, "She seems like a great kid, and you seem like a great brother, the kind who will make a great father one day." How long okay, have you taken care of her? More that. than a year. I never knew my father had any children, but Emmy and I have been up for lost time. I love the little smart ass. In part because she's as hard on me as you are. It's it's won her over. Now it's your turn. Like, come on. That, okay. The one that Vince said, yeah, it's hokey, but I thought it was it was playful. I could let it slide. That one. Yeah. So that one that's pretty bad. Alright, so yeah. let's I'm trying to keep these episodes tight, so let's you, let's jump. You to... just want to get to Batman? No, I don't. <laughs> but um, let's jump to the end there. What do you think of the reveal that Emmy is uh, has turned on Ollie and is siding with her mom, the do, do evil shadow? A, do you think it's a misdirect, or do you think it's real? Because I haven't. I'm not super current on like. I had actually forgotten about those like those characters that they were a thing in the new 52. Um, and I thought last, I, I was also kind of, you know, scratching my head because I thought shadow was, I, I didn't get like the motivation there for her to be against Stolly. Cause I thought that they were okay from the Lemire run, but I, yeah, I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah. I don't remember exactly how that left off. Um, I, I, uh, I think it's just a misdirect. It'll be it'll be resolved within an arc or two. See, I I feel like part of the like I, I don't know if you remember when Lemire took over Green Arrow in the first issue, a bomb blew up like half the supporting cast 
that were you introduced. Think this is the same thing. Yeah, I, I feel like this first arc is like, all right, look, this is going to be a Black Canary, Green Arrow book. We need to kind of quiet the noise around him. Let's take care of this in one arc and then move forward. <laughs> so, so we can only have one female hero in Green Arrows. I, th- I think that's the way it's going, unfortunately. Oh, man, that would be unfortunate. Yeah, because I really liked, you know, I, I liked their dynamic pretty well. I liked her. I thought I thought she kind of, like, played an interesting role in, like, the whole dynamic. Yeah. I have no problem with her as a character. I kind of hope she sticks around, but I, I just don't see it. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah. This is a uh, this is a pirate for me, almost exclusively for the art, the art and the overall tone. I feel like this is the type of Green Arrow book I want. Mm-hmm. It's just not the Green Arrow book I want. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I uh, I like what this book is trying to do. Like on a like, just in terms of like the craftsmanship there, like the art is just so good. And the lettering feels kind of, it doesn't feel like a DC book in, in it's like presentation. Um, or I guess maybe it does, but not, not like green lanterns feels like a DC book, you know? Okay. This is very much like, to me, in the vein of like the DCU, what DCU was trying to do, DCYOU. Yes, I agree with that. This feels and the I most really, DCU-ish. Yeah, and I, you know, I really appreciate that, and I, I like that. And in, you know, I'm trying to like think about it in relative to the other books, and I, you know, I, I put Green Lanterns as a as a pirate, and said that that was on the line, and I feel like if I, I liked this better than that. Mm. So okay. I'm I'm gonna say pull on this. Interesting. Yeah. That brings us to Batman number one, written by Tom King, illustrated by David Finch. I have a lot to say, but I want to hear what you guys have to say first. <laughs> I I want to hear you do this first. Okay. What are we? A penguin? <laughs> Joker? <laughs> okay. Just so. Let me preface this by saying that Tom King, until this week, had not written a book I didn't like. Didn't really like. Everything in Grayson, everything in Omega Men, his Hal Jordan one-shot, his vision work, Sheriff of Babylon, I liked all of it. He could do no wrong. Until he did this issue. I really really dislike this issue. Not convinced that it's him. (laughs) Um, let me, let, let me count the ways I decide this issue. The dialogue between Gordon and Bruce in the beginning is really weird. Um, Gordon is especially like, he's like weirdly braggy. Yeah. And like, and always screaming. Every facial expression is him like full throated screaming. And... To me, this really felt like a Superman story that Batman was dumped in the middle of. Like, Superman's the hero who stops the plane from crashing. And this is supposed to be like, no, Batman can do that too. But Batman (laughs) can't do that too. Like, 
I love Silver Age schlockiness. So the idea of the Batmobile launching an ejector seat to put Bruce on the plane, like if that was handled in a cute way, I could deal with that. But everything in this book is so fucking serious. With any ounce of self-awareness. Yes, that would have been fine, but there's none. There is none of this whatsoever. Then we get this screaming guy on the plane that Gotham's killing us. And, like, we don't have a hero. Like, Gotham has more fucking heroes than I have blood cells. Like, there are so many people in Gotham. Where has this guy been? Like, Batman has an army of people with him. Oh, man, that pisses me off. Then we get Batman, like, tying rope that came out of nowhere to to the wings and riding this thing like a bucking bronco. He's swinging around from place to place on a falling airplane like he's Spider-Man. Yes. And then Alfred being like, what was once just a 747 commercial jetliner is now the new Batplane. Like, <laughs> eat shit. That's a, that's a terrible, terrible bit of dialogue. And then, the worst part, though, the worst part is how Batman is convinced he's going to die. He's he's he sees the angle the plane's coming in at, and he knows that they will survive, but that he can't, that he can't make it out. And this is what he says, Alfred, would they, would they, mother and father, would they have been proud? Is this a good death? And then Alfred said, Yes, they would, Master Bruce. They'd have been proud, as proud as I am, sir, as proud as I've always been. It's it's so fucking hokey. It is. It doesn't sound at all like the Batman of the last fifty years. It uh, it's so incongruous with the character. This this just felt like it's not a Batman comic. And I'm not saying it's trying new things, and I'm okay with that. To me, it's just a lazy approximation of every superhero. He swings like Spider Man. He saves a plane like Superman. But there, but there's, there's no heart. There's no personality. Bruce seems totally uninteresting and like a huge dick, and not even in the playful. He's always been kind of a dick way, uh, and I don't mean Grayson. Um, this is a bad Batman comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, you know, it's like it's a first issue, but it's building to this kind of like what is seems like it's supposed to be a, a huge emotional payoff that isn't built on anything that's happened in the story, but more just like what you were supposed to know about Batman. Right. And that it just doesn't work. And David Finch's art, like I know that there are fans of David Finch's art and I can appreciate his art in a vacuum, but everything in this issue to me just looked so overwrought, which is the David Finch thing. I'll I'll say that I I had to like go back and look at the credits to double check and make sure this was Finch because it didn't look like normal Finch to me. Uh, there the the page where he's like where he's there standing, weren't like veins popping out of necks. Yes, there are. <laughs> I didn't there, see. There's a vein popping out of Alfred's neck here. Maybe okay. Well, I'm just thinking like it didn't look like Justice League of America or like the whatever oh. Batman Dark Knight. Yeah, it looked. It looked here, I give credit to that to Jordy Belair. Ban- yeah, I do too. I do too. I think that's what it is, honestly. Yeah. Matt like, Banning and Jordy Belair yeah. are, are like the heroes of this comic because I agree. Because yeah, like yes, there are still Finch notes in there, like 
Gordon screaming, you know, mm-hmm. like Gordon screaming and he's all teeth and like just, you know, it's just to the nines, you know, but at least most of it is, I mean, the coloring's really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that guy on the plane, I just saw him again. Like that's yeah. total Finch, you know, but like for the most part, it's, it's, it's pretty decent. I mean, it's, it felt it's tamer. Yeah. It's not as, I'll give you that. It, it's not as Finchy. Right. But I think that Finch's art, like, you know, one of the things we talked about was the lack of self-awareness and maybe the script had some self-awareness, but Finch finished it out of it. Maybe, or maybe conversely, maybe like Finch would have really been reined in except that Tom King wrote a David Finch story. Maybe. You know, like, I don't know. But but I don't – see, I'm not going to blame Finch because if you go back to the Rebirth issue, even though Janin's art was incredible, think about the content of that. It's kind story. of a snooze. Br- well, well, see, well, Bruce is, like, doing pull-ups on the side of a building. Yeah. His, like, as far as I'm concerned, his whole run could be like this because of the way – you know, two issues of evidence – shows that Batman and Bruce are going to be doing these insane feats with no self-awareness to them. Yeah. Like, to, to me, Janin just weathered it better, but I just think this is a take on Batman that I don't know that I'm going to care for. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and another thing, <laughs> um, the, the, oh. the thing about Batman, the thing about Batman, Bruce thinking that he's going to die in this situation after 75 years of what he's been through like it was so maudlin the way that they did that in this issue and it's it's kind of weird because you're first of all you're dealing with one of the most ridiculous feats that Batman's probably ever accomplished yep. you know saving this plane like basically with with uh you know just bare knuckles and will you know and like so on on the one hand it's one of the most ridiculous things he's ever tried to do but on the other hand this is somebody who fired a time bullet into dark Dark side yeah you know like this is somebody who has been to hell and back multiple times so like for him to think you know he's going down with this plane that he's trying to land in the harbor and like, yep, for sure, I'm gonna die. Hope mom and dad were proud. Like, that's not Batman to me. Like, Batman finds a way to survive that. Absolutely. You know, Batman, Batman, like, as like, grapples away from the plane at the last minute. Yeah. You know, and survives. But no, instead, we get this maudlin scene of him thinking he's going to die when he's been in in when he's fought gods before. Right. And lived. And then uh, the way that he survives is not even through anything that is of his or Gotham's volition. You know, well, it, it is Gotham's Well, volition. it's Gotham's, yes. It's the, the new Gotham and Gotham Girl, it's whatever the quite, fuck, yeah. Quite literally, yes. And they're, <laughs> they're literally like Kryptonians, basically. Yeah. I, I want to say one quick thing about that. I feel like... If this was a Batman comic written by somebody else, first of all, this wouldn't have happened. But if it did happen, there would have been a bat drone like 10 feet hovering above him. At the last minute, he would have jumped up and grabbed the bat drone 
and then fl- you would have seen a shot of him flying, like holding on to like a, essentially a hoverboard flying over the plane. Yeah, like that's such a Batman thing. There, I don't know. Mm-hmm. In the Dark Knight Rises, he literally takes a pl- the Bat plane with a nuclear weapon and survive. I mean, depending on your interpretation of the ending, I guess survives it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Like that's what Batman does. It's not this, this wasn't Batman. And and I read an interview with Tom King. Who and he said, he said the thing that people always say when they write Batman, which is, he's realistic. He, he's really different from those other superheroes because of his mortality. He's died and come back to life like multiple most, times. Multiple times. Yeah. He's fought gods. He's 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 uh, you know he travels all over the world and maintains a secret identity. <laughs> you know wherever he goes, it's. It's not realistic. Stop pretending it is. Right. Then you then you end up with a comic like this that treats a ridiculous situation as if it's realistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then betrays itself in the very same issue. I've got a I've got a theory. Okay. So King and and um Finch. And, no, uh gosh, what's wrong with me? I What's wrong with me? Who else wrote? Who was else? Who was on Grayson? Tim Seeley. Tim Seeley. Yeah. What's wrong with me? Um, they split. Seeley's doing Nightwing. The first arc is better than Batman. What if this is an elaborate? <laughs> this is a lead into that, and King is tanking Batman <laughs> for the first arc <laughs> to lead into better than Batman. And and Night Nightwing is going to look at the camera at the end of the first issue and say, "Now wasn't that?" first issue better, better than, than batman, batman. wink yeah. <laughs> i have one more thing to say and then i think we should we should uh wrap this up tonight but one of the big things that people were saying when they were defending man of steel back in the day when superman snapped zod's neck they were like what was he supposed to do zod was going to kill those people and the answer is the writer should never put superman in the position to have to make that choice this isn't a documentary. It's a written product, and that shouldn't have been written. And I feel like it's similar to this where people could be like, well, of course Batman's going to feel mortal in these moments, but don't give him these moments then. Like, it just, to me, what makes Batman so special is that Batman would have found a way to save this plane without anything approaching this ridiculousness. It would have been a different kind of ridiculous, but it wouldn't have been this faux Superman, faux Spider-Man bullshit. It just, it this issue rang so hollow to me. And I had, I had texted these guys when I read it that I basically said it's the worst comic, one of the worst comics I've read in recent memory. And I haven't softened on that. <laughs> I think this is more of a betrayal of who Batman is than anything we've seen in a long time. I said this was better than Tony Daniel having the Joker cut off his own face. Worse, you mean? No, this... Oh, sorry, this is worse, yes. Because when the Joker cut off his own face, it led to something that... It turned out being to be terrible, but it was a new approach, and it was something that was bold and, and ultimately bad. This just feels... I don't know. It's not bold. It's not to me. This isn't King swinging for the fences and striking out. This is something just 
weird and unenjoyable. If if I'm going just on this issue, I'm pulping this series. But I have more faith in his writing just based on track record. So I'm going to pirate it in terms of this, you know, in our scale. I'm, I'm going to keep it as a pirate for now. I don't know. Like, the Rebirth issue and then this one? I'd almost, like, not... I'd almost be comfortable with pulping it. Yeah. Um, what, one thing I want to mention before I tell you what I do with this book. Um, <laughs> Brian, you brought up that you know, Batman shouldn't have been put in this situation. Yeah. When when Batman is put in this situation, that's why he has the Justice League. You know? Right. Like if if Batman could if Batman can get through all these situations alone, he doesn't need an extended family and he doesn't need the Justice League. A loner like him, you know, and you can debate whether you think he's actually a loner or not, but personality wise, if he could solve these situations on his own, he wouldn't need those teams. And, and I know that and I know Bruce that. comes to and and Clark comes to him when there's a mystery that needs to be solved because Superman can't do everything. Yes, exactly. And that's why DC Comics works. Yeah. And I know that the premise is probably well, that's why uh, Gotham and Gotham Girl are here because they can do the things that Bruce can't. Those people already exist. Yep. And and they're on Bruce's side. And it's fine that these two are new and they might not be on Bruce's side entirely or it's going to create conflict, but when you have this situation and the Justice League tells you that you're busy or that they're busy, that that's what they exist for. And if you're doing DC Rebirth and you're getting the you know, the the legacy and the togetherness feel back, like to start a comic like this saying, Oh, the heroes are too busy to, to help you today, Batman and hang him out to dry and then still like accomplish this ridiculous thing. I, this comic just felt like it had to have like it had to have everything both ways, you know. Yep. And, um, I when you say that it's one of the worst comics you've read in years, um, I'll say that I don't think it it doesn't get down to the depths of some of those like bad Teen Titans issues. Um, it doesn't. I mean, we read some truly dreadful. Villains month stuff and zero month stuff and all those you know those gimmick months. Well, part of this is that there's expectation built into it. Well, I'm just about to get to that. That you know, like if you're talking about Batman, which is always good. Like Batman's been good for as long as I can remember. You know. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, this is one of the most disappointing and worst comics that I you know. It doesn't get it doesn't get down in the dirt with those comics that are truly like like mechanically not worth the paper that they're printed on, you know, but as far as expectations versus what you get and this kind of understanding that like Batman is pretty tough to screw up it. Yeah, this is, this is awful. And, um, I'm, I'm pretty close to a pulp on this one too. Although, like you said, like the quality of the the creative team. <sighs> give me, give me another Janin issue, and then I'll tell you. Well, that's the thing, mm-hmm. but that's, but that's okay. four issues away, five I issues know. away. I know, I know. I'm just, I know it's not fair, but that's what I want. I want another Janin issue, and then I'll tell you. And look, there there is a very good chance that it writes itself a month from now. Yeah. There's a very good chance that two more issues in, I feel different about this book, but right now, it's dark. 
I'll say I'll say this. I've been grading my I've been grading these issues out of ten in my own like document just so I can go back and like reference how I felt about things. Yeah. And this is the lowest rated rebirth book I've given. So what did far. you give it? I think I gave it like a three, three point five. You're a generous man. And I know I know I, I did I Yeah. I don't know. I just can't I, I'm I'm not there yet. It's bad. It's bad. Don't get me wrong. And it's so well reviewed. I don't get it. I don't know what people are reading. That's yeah. The fact that it's the, it was the second most well reviewed book of the week on Comic Review Roundup. Like, I we should we should talk about that for at least a little bit. I think people already made up their minds on this book. We already made up our minds on this book. I think <laughs> all three of us were far kinder to that rebirth issue than we should have been, because all of us really like what King does. And what Snyder had done. Yeah, I think that was much better than this, though. It was, but I think that, you know, we're we're partially guilty of this as well. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I also don't think... I, yeah, I don't think the comics community in general is as has as good of a critical eye as most, but... Yeah, I won't disagree with that either. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. We, we've been kind of doing almost two shows a week because we had some some backlogs. So we're going to have an, issue, an episode coming out. This comes out Wednesday. We're going to have another one on Saturday, then another one on Wednesday, and then I think we're going to be back to once a month, kind of after, or, or, or rather once a week, rather after that. Um, but for right now, enjoy this DC3 content. Um, you can find all of us on social media. I am on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. Where can we find you guys? I'm at SirFox89 on Twitter. I'm at VJ underscore O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I. And uh, just on a personal note, this is our last show with Vince as a bachelor. (laughs) Vince will be a married man like the other two of us the next time we record. Yeah. Uh, Unless I'm a runaway groom. Unless you're a runaway groom. If I get a knock on my door on Saturday with a disheveled-looking Vince who just drove ten hours to uh, get away, I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. I, I actually have a. Uh, we're doing this. We're doing our wedding on a boat, okay? okay? And I have a compartment in the boat that will launch me in the air like the Batmobile did, <laughs> okay. and I will grab onto an oncoming plane flying across the sky if I need to escape. So. Okay. Make sure it's coming east. Yep, and uh, and I just. I have a question for you guys. If I if I do that, uh-huh. would it be a good death? <laughs> would my parents be proud of me? <laughs> no and no. <laughs> <That> was- <laughs> <laughs> See you next week, folks.